0: Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How y'all doing today? Man, y'all look good. I don't get to be up here often, but uh, man, it's it's good to see all of your lovely faces, friends, family in the the room. I'm excited. Uh, Fourth of July, happy Fourth of July, everybody. And so I thought today would be a good day to talk about freedom, whether you're in the room or you're watching online. I know we have people from California who watch online, from Springfield, Missouri. I have some family watching online and some friends watching online, so I got to shout them out real quick. You see... Freedom through the Holy Spirit should push us towards the true source of freedom, which ultimately is Jesus. And I think the evidence of this freedom in our lives is fruit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom here at Thrive Church. I'll give you an opportunity later in the service. Uh, we don't pray prayers just for symbolic reasons. We really do believe in the power of prayer. Um, and it says in Romans ten nine, if you declare with your mouth. Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, when you become a Christian, and you you decide that you believe that Jesus is Lord, and, and that God raised him from the dead, there is something that begins to happen in you, and when you begin to build your life on the rock, that is Jesus Christ, your life begins to change, and the Spirit begins to flow in you and through you, and ultimately where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You see, Your life should look different when you accept Christ, right? The atmosphere should change when you walk into the room because there is this residue of the spirit of the living God in you. And so you're able to walk into a room and the situation may be crazy, Uh, but you can walk in and go, God, I thank you for the peace that is in this room and then just begin to watch how the room changes and the atmosphere changes. You ever met somebody and you look at them and go, like, there's something different about these these people. There's something different about them and you get to talk to them and they're always happy and suddenly, like, they have joy and you realize, oh, they're a Christ follower. Like, that is what it should feel like when you walk into a room. People should begin to, to realize there's something different about the way you live your life and I think what's cool is that this is what freedom allows us to do. It allows us to live in a way that the atmosphere changes and the spirit has room to move. It says in Galatians 5.1, it was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you've once removed. And that's like old struggles. That's old habits. That's things that have held you back in your life. Those are things that maybe you're currently going through, those struggles, right? Right? I think when we receive Christ, he's not looking for perfection, so don't, don't, don't think that I'm telling you that like as soon as you accept Christ, everything changes, and you have to be perfect 100% of the time, but there is this progress, there is this process that begins to happen, and this progress that the closer you get to who Jesus is, and the closer you get to his heart, and you get to know him, the more your life begins to change. Uh, in John 8:32, it says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you Free, And I think it's important while we're talking about freedom to understand that freedom comes with responsibility. It says Galatians 5:13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. So does that mean that freedom can be a bad thing? Absolutely, I think that freedom can be a bad thing. Right? If we get too much freedom, we have free will. We can do some really bad things. So I think that honoring God means recognizing the boundaries that come with freedom. If you're taking notes, I'd write that down. Uh, a, there's a study that says if you remember up to 5% of what you hear, so you may remember some, some of what I say, but uh, up to like 90% of if you take notes and you go back and look at it and apply it to your life and allow it to transform you, that is what we do and take notes for uh, so Galatians 5.13, I'll say it again. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly. So I think that, that when we, re- we start to recognize that there's boundaries that come with freedom, when we begin to realize that when we honor God with our freedom, there is this, this turning away from the things that used to hold us captive. There's this, there's this turning away, and, and I think the closer you get to who God is in his heart, you get closer to his promise. You understand that his promise is never, there's no expiration date on God's promises and he's always faithful. And you realize that, that he gives you freedom and, and you begin to be in his presence. You understand what it feels like to be in his presence. I think the things that used to entice you, the things that used to draw you in like a moth to a flame, the things that maybe you used to self-medicate, the things that used to hold you back, the closer you get to Jesus, you begin to realize that you don't need those areas of your life anymore. I think you begin to realize that they're not as worth, they're not as much of worth it as you think they are. Um, and the more you begin to fall in love with Jesus, there is this turning away. And I think a story that, that, that captures this is John 8, uh, chapter one, or verse one through 11. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd, and they said, teacher, this woman has, caught, has been caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? You see, they were trying to trap Jesus into, into saying something that they could use against him, and what I think is really interesting is it says that he stooped down and he began to write... In the dust with his finger. Now, we biblically do not know what he was writing in the dust, we'll never know, Uh, but some people speculate that he was writing the sins of all the Pharisees there. Uh, And he goes on to say, They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. And this is the important part. It says, go and sin no more. You see, I think that God wants us to To have this sort of freedom in our life and there's a couple steps and a couple things that that i have found would allow us to to kind of live out this freedom and i think tonight or today if if we're willing that that we start to apply some of these things to our life we'll, we'll start to walk in freedom and the first thing that i have for you guys is to have an attitude of gratitude okay i know it's corny i got you i understand but i think practically This is an important part, and I think it's biblical, is that we have to be grateful for what God has given us and what God has done to us in our life. And I think one thing that I've found in my life, and I think maybe it's the same for you, is we've lost the ability to remember. Hold on, stick with me, stick with me. It says, Isaiah 43, 16, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. And God's talking to the Israelites, he was like, and they're like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you did do that. That's good, God. You did do that for us. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle lake. You probably want yeah, to what does that have to do with anything in remembering? You see, you can't value what God did without remembering the magnitude of the moment. Let me put it like this, okay? So I'm here. I come up against opposition, right? The Red Sea. I come up against opposition. The enemy is at my back and God makes a way, right? I think that God has done that in some of your guys' lives where you come up against opposition with the enemy at your back and you shouldn't get through it and God pushes you through and he makes a way. And so I think we have to remember those moments, right? There's been times in our lives where you shouldn't have made it through that diagnosis. You shouldn't have made it through that financial crisis. You shouldn't have made it through that job. Right? You shouldn't have made it through, through the thing that, that held you back, that addiction. But God made a way, and so you can't value what God did without remembering the season you were in when he did it. I think it's important that we go back and we look at what God has done in our lives and then remain grateful for what he is doing. Right? I think when you remember what God did, you can't help but have joy. You ever meet somebody who has joy and they're just so, like, you're so thankful that you got to meet with them, and, and you can maybe know who they are by the way they laughed. You ever meet one of those people that, like, you hear them laugh, like, three rooms down, you're like, Kevin's here. I heard his laugh, right? There are some of you who were, who, who were known that way, and, and through circumstances or things that maybe have been crazy, you along your way lost that joy. And today, I think, as we have an attitude of gratitude it brings our joy back, and, and once we begin to have joy, we realize that joy is contagious. Joy will pass through people, and, and you get to see people light up when you walk in the room. Joy is contagious, but I, I need you to hear something on the, on the other side of this. Negativity is contagious. Negativity is contagious. And, and my, my thing is, is joy is so important because negativity costs the Israelites 40 years in the promised land. Because of their negativity, they they didn't get what God said he was going to give them. It says in Numbers 14, 1 and 2, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest, against Moses and Aaron. And they said, if only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. If only they had died in the place that held them back, the place that they were in slavery, the place that, that they weren't meant to live in freedom in, if only they had died there, instead of going through what they had to to get to the place that was promised to them. And so they're on this journey to the promised land and maybe they're not there yet, but they begin to complain about what God has done in their lives. And so God sets them free and they still find a way to complain. And my question is, is that if negativity kept the Israelites out of the promised land for 40 years, what is it keeping you from? I believe that God is calling everybody in this room to something, something unique, something that nobody else can do. And I think that there are some of us in this room that negativity gets in the way of it. I I think there are things that God, it's going to be too tough. God, I don't, I don't really see it yet, right? I don't have 100% clarity. God doesn't give us 100% clarity. That's why it's called faith. We have to step out. See, but I think that once you, once you have this negativity in your lives, it starts to pass to other people too, right? And so I think we need to have this attitude of gratitude to, to follow what God is doing and to step out in faith. Um, and you're probably wondering what does having an attitude of gratitude look like having an attitude of gratitude is a choice to wake up every day and say god you have been more than good to me you have given me more than i deserve and i give you praise for that that's what having an attitude of gratitude looks like and so even when times look tough waking up and going god you're so good you are so good in embracing everything about you, whether it's insecurities uh, or flaws. It is waking up and going, "God, you are good." And so I think the first part of walking in freedom is understanding that, that we have to be grateful of what God is doing in our lives. Secondly, we have to be intentional about our connections. This is point two. Uh, I just man, I love people. I really do it's awesome and so uh spencer lake does this really cool thing the district does this really cool thing called family camp how many of you have been to family camp before raise your hands i see i think i saw some of y'all down there i think half our church is right there right now i i had students coming up to me out of like the woodworks and be like garrett we should go do this or garrett we should go do that i'm like i want to hang out with my friends a little bit i'm gonna be honest so i haven't seen some of these people in two years last year was canceled because of COVID. and so I had the opportunity to sit down with some friends who I haven't seen in a really long time, and I forgot how much that I missed them. Like, we sat down in this fire, and there's one of the guys, whose name is Jared, and so Jared and I are just talking about life and God and having a, an awesome conversation, and I begin to talk, and I kind of start into the beginning of this sermon about process and the progress of, of turning away. And it, it was weird because the rest of the group, there's like 20 kids there. The rest of the group begins to silent. And one of them goes, man, he's really preaching. And I'm like, i got to preach on Sunday. So I'm practicing right now. Um, but this, this setting isn't new to me. It was cool growing up in youth group. I used to go here as a student. So this is my home church. Um, and we would do this thing where all of our, our, kind of our students, our friend group, would show up at a fire at somebody else's house. And and we would just sit around and we kind of talk for a little bit and we would have fun and and it would be cool. But at some point during the conversation, it always switched to what is happening in our lives, what is God doing, how is our mental and emotional health, how is our our spiritual health, and and it was funny. We kind of came up for a term for this. It was called spiritual conversations. So at some point, parents would be texting like, Hey, when are you guys coming home? You know, somebody like, Hey, you need to be home at eleven. Be like, Mom, we're having spiritual conversations hold on. And so it was cool because I had this group of friends that I could come to them with the things that were going on in my life and, and we would be able to work through it together and we would talk about it. Um, and I think there is a, a real life example of this. How many of you guys know what redwood trees are out on the, the west coast, right? These giant trees, they are impressive. They're big. And when you look at them, you must think, man, these, these roots for these trees go really deep, right? To hold something up this size, like a tree that you literally have to cut a hole in to drive through, you would think that the roots go really deep. And the truth is, they don't. They go three to five feet deep. Only three to five feet deep in the ground. But here's what they do. They go 70 feet wide. So they begin to expand. And what's cool is these redwood trees, their roots begin to like connect and they begin to intertwine with each other. And they begin to to lock in, and so when the winds sway, all these roots are anchored together, and then the trees will stay upright because they can't fall over, because the rest of the trees are holding the, those trees up. And I think this is how the local church should be if we want to walk in freedom. I think we're better together as a church. Every single one of you is better when you're around more people. And you're intentional about who you're connecting with. There's a story in Mark chapter two of a paraplegic man, and and he's laying on a ground on a mat. And his friends come by, and I don't know if they're like Facebook friends or like best friends or they just knew each other off social media. Um, but they walk up and and they see this man on the ground, and they they say, "Hey, Jesus is doing a Bible study nearby. Like we could we could go to to Jesus with this." And so they pick up this man and and they carry him to the to the house where Jesus is, and, and they get there, and the room is packed. You ever been into a room that's so tight, like it's shoulder to shoulder, and you can't move? That's, that's what this, this scenario looked like. And so they didn't just stop. They could have been like, ah, oh, we'll try again next time. We should have bought tickets ahead of time. Like, we'll figure it out. Um, no, what they do is they take this man and they, they bring him to the roof of the house. How many of you guys are willing to drag your friend up onto a roof? Because I am not. I'll tell you what. And so they bring this man onto the top of the roof. They cut a roof or a hole in the roof and begin to lower him into the room where Jesus is, right? And so this is the only part in the, in the Bible where Jesus says that because of your friend's faith, you have been saved, right? And so I think this is, this is what we should be doing as a church, and this is why life groups are so important. So when the next semester of life groups turn around, you get involved into a group of people who, who can hold you up when a storm comes into your life and you begin to lock arms like the roots of a redwood tree and they begin to hold you up. And, and when life gets crazy and maybe you start to stumble and fall, they can hold you up. And then when they begin to fall and stumble, you hold them up and you begin to go, I got your back well, no matter what, what life looks like. I've got you. And this is why serving is so important because you begin to, to create this culture and this atmosphere where, where, yeah, life is crazy and things are happening, but, hey, we're going to go to Jesus with this. I'm going to take you right to the source. I'm going to take you to the source of freedom. And so when you begin to to be intentional about your connections, you begin to build friends and relationships and have spiritual conversations. This is where hope begins to happen. This is where freedom begins to happen because you have people behind you who go, "I've got your back." And I firmly believe that everybody needs somebody in their corner who's going, "I got your back. I'm going to be there for you. I got you." And so I think It is important to get connected because we're better together. We really are. And if you're not in a life group or you're not serving, I'm going to encourage you to do that because it just unlocks another level of your your faith journey when you begin to get around people who want to challenge you like iron sharpens iron. Um, Thirdly, I think it's important that we recognize that our praise is a weapon. I love worship, I can't sing. God said, made a joyful noise. It don't sound good coming from me, but it is joyful, I'll tell you that. Um, but I love worship. I love that, that we get to be here on a Sunday and worship and give God praise. Because uh, it just it is, it is next level. And I think what this looks like, praise is a weapon, is that we begin to recognize that even when things don't look like they're going your way, you begin to praise God through that. You see, when that diagnosis doesn't match what God says, you're gonna to choose to praise God through it. It's hard, but when you begin to praise God, it just unlocks this, this freedom to understand God is good and he's doing good things in our lives. And when that financial situation, when, you're, when your money looks kind of funny and it doesn't look how you think it should, you begin to praise God through that situation, right? When you're addicted to something, you begin to praise God through this and, and you begin to find freedom through praise In Acts chapter 16, 25 through 34, Paul and Silas had been beaten and bloodied and they're in prison. And what's funny is it says Paul and Silas were undaunted. Now undaunted means not intimidated. They weren't scared. They had been beaten, they were bloodied, and they were thrown in jail. And they were undaunted. And they begin to pray in the middle of the night and they sing songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison and all at once, every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Startled, the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. When Paul shouted into the darkness, stop, don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. The jailer called for a light. When he saw that they were still in their cells, he rushed in and felt trembling at their feet. Then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? They answered, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and all your family. Then they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and all of his family. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds. Then he and all his family were baptized. He took Paul and Silas into his home and set them at his table and fed them. The jailer and all his family were filled with joy in their newfound faith in God. You see, Paul and Silas had an attitude of gratitude. They knew that God was going to show up, and he had shown up in the past, and they recognized that their praise was a weapon, and they chose to pray their way through a crazy situation. A situation that looked uncertain, right? God showed up and not only helped them, but the jailer and his family got saved. So I need you to hear this is when you have an attitude of gratitude, and you're grateful for what God is doing in your life and you live in a way that shows that and you start to be intentional about who you're surrounded by in this iron sharpened iron mentality and you begin to push each other to grow into who God is. You get closer into the heart of God and then you understand that your praise is a weapon. Don't be surprised if you get in the way of somebody else's storm and everybody else's story changes because of it. Don't be surprised if you step in the way of that family member storm and just by the way you live and the spirit in you and working through you, your family gets saved. Don't be surprised if you start to change the way that people live by the way you live your life, by the way you honor God with your freedom and beginning a walk in freedom. I think what's really cool is we have the opportunity to reach so many people and I think a lot of people need freedom. I think there's a lot of people who want to experience the kind of freedom that God is offering. And if we walked with an attitude of gratitude and we were intentional about who we were surrounded by and the relationships that we were building, and we began to praise God through some crazy situations, I have no doubt that the people around us would begin to question, why do you live the way you do? Why do you live in a way that you seem so free? you don't don't care about anything, you don't look nervous. If we begin to live in a way that added value to the people around us, what would happen in your family? What would happen in your community? What would happen all over the world if we show people what it looked like to walk in freedom? And now you're here tonight or today and you're probably wondering, Garrett, I, I, I deal with this. I don't have an attitude of gratitude. It's hard for me to be grateful, even for the little things. Or maybe you're like, I don't, I don't like people. I don't want to be around people. It makes me anxious. It makes me nervous to be around new people and get to me. I'm right there with you. It is. It's hard. But we have to be intentional about it. If you're one of those people, maybe you've had a hard time realizing that your praise is a weapon. And, and you need to give God some praise uh, today. I think that God wants to unlock these areas of our life. And so if there's any of those areas you need, I want to encourage you to take that next step here at Thrive Church. We really do believe that God raised from the dead his son raised from the dead we really do believe that there is freedom where the spirit of the lord is and i feel it happening right now that that people are here to to unlock some freedom and so if you're one of those people we're going to all pray together but if you're one of those people who needs freedom in your life and wants to start walking in freedom and to have an attitude of gratitude and to get surrounded by people who love you and want to see you grow and you want to begin to praise god for what he is doing just raise your hand I know it's challenging, but like I said before, we need to step out into our faith. And so we're gonna pray here in a little bit and everybody's just gonna repeat after us, um, after me. And we're just gonna watch God do some awesome things. Dear Lord, we thank you for your freedom. Um, We've been doing it by ourselves. We've been pushing through, trying to to do everything on our own and and the only true source of freedom is your spirit Lord we acknowledge that your son went to the cross and into the grave to die for our sins and we acknowledge that you raised him from the dead And, and today we want to unlock the freedom that you are giving us Lord and so today if you're looking for freedom Lord we accept you as our personal savior we recognize that that you want us to live in a way that selfishly adds value to others and and carry your spirit with us into our families and into our friends and into the people we work with and and we want to be able to step in the way of somebody else's storm and watch everybody else's life change and everybody else's story change by the way we live Lord we thank you for your never ending grace and mercy in your name we pray Amen Hey, this is Sheldon Miles here, pastor at Thrive Church, and I wanna thank you for watching this video. And if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome, accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, you were created to thrive. We'll see you next week.